Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our socials and Discord. Happy listening. For the last couple months now, I've been playing D&D with a group online, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why, but lately I've felt this itch to DM again, Mm -hmm. and specifically, I would love to run a game in this little world I've built with you. You have such a creative mind like for solving problems in D&D in a way that like as a DM, you kind of like make multiple plans out of a situation in each scenario. Mm-hmm. And you just come up with the most out of the box. None of my plans even accounted for this kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, it was only really that one character that I played that I feel like I had those moments with mm-hmm. like and I, there's a reason I kind of have retired from D&D and I think it's because I I really created the most perfect character for me to play mm-hmm. that nothing else after that was good enough like I didn't have as much fun playing them and I found myself just resorting back to that original character because I just loved being her so much yeah and so if we were to play again, I think that I would have to just be her again. I don't think that I can be anyone else. Which I think is totally fine because we'd be playing in a different group. Um, like some of the things that like come to mind with this character, her name is Karamip. She was a gnome druid mm-hmm. and she was a quirky little duck. Yeah. <laughs> she, as, as a gnome, loved nicknames. Yeah. Um, one... St- one adventure she came up to this antagonist essentially but she was not really aware that it it was just kind of like a not friendly situation well it started out that from what i remember it being this woman had lost her husband and maybe a child and we were supposed to help locate these people i think they went out on some sort of a Mission to figure out what was destroying something to do with their town. (laughs) I don't remember all the fine details. But anyway, they had gone away and never came back. And so we were supposed to help her figure out what happened to her family. Are they still alive? Did they die? If so, how? And like, can we um, avenge them? Yeah. And so we're trying to get to know this lady and trying to get her trust. And I couldn't remember her name i kept having different variations of her name like let's say it started with like a d then i would have like every other d name besides that (laughs) and she would always be correcting me and be like no it's this and i could never get it or at least caramip could never get it right like i think i was just kind of trolling her a little bit but not intending to like in the character she wouldn't intend to troll anybody she would just think like oh yeah this person and not grasp that, you know, you're being careless and not remembering and their actual names name. Names have meaning. Yeah, and some people are very connected to their name where I'm just like, call me whatever. I don't care. Like, it's not that big <laughs> a deal. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> yeah. So then I remember kind of getting under her skin and out of character, I knew that she was pissed off. In character, I was just like, we're having a great time. Just joking. Oh, me and my new best friend. And... She just ended up calling me a different name. 
But for me as a gnome who already has a bunch of different names, I took this as like solidifying our friendship. <laughs> like you've given me a nickname. I am so blessed. Master has given Dobby a nickname. <laughs> that's how that's how I took it in that situation. And it's just like one of those little things that it doesn't really mean anything for the story, but it made for such a fun memory that those things make me kind of miss playing D&D, but only that character. We like talking about movies and TV or TV and movies cause we're the bee's knees, oh yeah. I feel like it is appropriate to start this episode with a budgie update <laughs> because last week the kids had not yet seen the budgie. They didn't know it was happening. Mm -hmm. Like we said, it was a very spontaneous event that we even got this bird. <laughs> so... Yeah, the what kids strange have seen set of circumstances. <laughs> the kids have seen the bird. They're overjoyed. They're very content. They've been doing really, really well with bonding with the bird, sitting with the bird, reading books, talking to her, just enjoying its company. Mm -hmm. And um, the bird has a name. They've named her Charlotte, which I found to be just a very kind of strange name for a bird like what an average name <laughs> yeah but uh as a listener pointed out this week they had reached out to me on instagram and uh and i told them like yeah they named the bird charlotte and they're like um that's a better name than jessica <laughs> <laughs> and i just had to laugh because it will never not be funny to me that we were calling that random cat Jessica or that I just had this very average cat growing up named Jessica. And so, like, they're not wrong. I think Charlotte is a better name than Jessica. Jessica just seems very average for an animal. One of my favorite things online is seeing people's pet names because there's some who it's just like, oh, yeah, this is Rocky, Dozer, like pet names. Macaroni. But then there's macaroni. I saw this thing. It's just like cat owners are just the most unhinged people. Yeah. Because it's like, this is my cat fridge. Yeah. And it's just like. Random. Yeah. The either people names, random names, just inanimate objects. Or like just typical pet names that it's like spot or like whiskers. Yeah. Just there's such a variety of people who like of name conventions. Mm-hmm. But when I see somebody who's got a cat named Fork, I just really hope they never have children. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that you have been updated on the budgie Charlotte and her well-being and the kids and all that jazz, on to The Punisher. I'm really, really excited to talk about The Punisher this week because yeah. these two episodes were out of this world amazing. It is Probably like the the closest TV show to a comic book representation. Like some of the scenes were just picturesque. There's this one scene in particular that I remember when we first watched it. I turned to you and said like this looks like someone copied and pasted this from the actual comic books. Yes. And it's in episode 11 when... 
Frank Castle is preparing that basement place where him and David have been hiding out. Yeah, making he's expecting, a basement trap. Yeah, he's expecting his good old friend Weasel Face. I forget his name. <laughs> <laughs> is it uh, Billy? Yeah, Billy. He's expecting Billy and his troops to come and kind of kill him, I guess, or capture him or something. Yeah. So he's setting up this trap. He's painted his bulletproof vest with the skull on. And the way the light is shining up at his face and the way he's standing in the hallway as these troops are coming in and trying to figure out where they're hiding, he knows exactly where they're going to be, how he's going to kill them, what he's going to kill them with, all before they even come into the building. And you see him just broody, standing there, so ominous and terrifying and i'm just and he's got this like black oily stuff on his face and he just looks so gritty and dark and like terrifying yeah it looks like they ripped like a comic cover and was like just do that yeah we need this (laughs) shot we need a shot where he looks like this and the most amazing thing about it is that john bernthal looks so much like the comic version of frank castle like, yeah it's amazing how he it looks like the drawings were of him if you go back <laughs> and look at it it's just like this is john bernthal yeah he he plays the character really well i fucking loved these episodes because mm-hmm. there was so much action like you were mentioning how he like he he prepared his basement bunker he had guns hidden in strategic locations like he he saw where they were going to come yeah and how he was going to move them around with different explosions and stuff like that yeah so he uh, i'm having a hard time just expressing how amazing it was and how satisfying it was how he walked through in such a fluid motion yeah well and like thinking about it now it's just the training that these guys have had, mm-hmm. he has also had himself. So obviously, better, yeah. <laughs> he is going to know exactly how these per- people were trained to come into this room to pursue this person because he has been on that team before. Yeah. Like, not that specific team, but he has been on a very similar mission team. Only he has years and years of experience. <laughs> As well as his own adaptations of not giving a fuck. <laughs> so it's like, what? how did you expect this to work out in your favor? Yeah. It, honestly, it was not not a great call going into the guy's lair. Yeah, where he knows where everything is, right? Like he yeah. knows that place like the back of his hand. And you guys are coming into a place that is completely unfamiliar to you, expecting to... What, sneak attack this guy? Good (laughs) luck. I don't know what you're thinking. But it was so just thrilling to watch it. Then to kind of juxtapose that thrill, we had the reunion of David and his daughter. Mm -hmm. And like that kind of sweet, like tugging on your heartstrings moment of like, I'm sorry I've been gone for a year. Mm -hmm. Like... And she didn't care. She just hugged him. Yeah. And that was, it was after seeing him just watching from a distance Mm -hmm. for the whole season, just kind of 
impulsively acting on the the need to get back to his family. Yeah. Just how he just kind of like he's worried about actually doing it, but then he just falls into that role so so well. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that in both of these episodes there was a lot of focus on reuniting David with his family. And in episode 12, they start to formulate a plan to get David back to his family permanently. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm happy it's been so long since we originally watched this because then we still get these surprises. <laughs> like, when David gets shot, after his wife sees him for the first time in a year, yeah, and she's got a gas can strapped to her back and she's just like weeping like david oh my god david 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 (laughs) and he's just like just keep walking like everything's gonna be fine but she's just like am i seeing a ghost is this real am i dead i don't know and like so she's going (laughs) off to the fbi agents right and you can just see this like war of emotion happening inside of her only to then turn around and watch him get shot and die again. And it's like, (laughs) this is the second time this poor woman has watched her husband die. And it's funny because, like, maybe an hour later, he walks into the room they're in. Yeah. And is like, sorry you had to see that. And it's just like, you bitch, you (laughs) you made us have to watch you die again? Yeah. Like, how horrible for her. It's like, I don't care it wasn't real. I thought it was. Yeah, and the, those crazy, strong emotions, they're still enough to traumatize a person, whether they were real or not. Like, mm-hmm. I imagine years after that would happen, she'd still have nightmares about it. Like, she watched probably one of her biggest fears happening twice. <laughs> like, what wife doesn't have that fear of like their husband being brutally murdered in front of them do you think about that often well now i did (laughs) i was just like relating to this woman i was just like man that would be the worst thing to have to go through and to have to go through it twice Twice. i would say the biggest thing would be your children Mm -hmm. like that's the biggest fear as a parent is losing your child And then even worse, losing your child in a horrific way. And then two, your partner. Like your life partner. Losing your life partner like that. And this poor, poor woman had to do it twice. And it's just like, just uh, kidding. (laughs) She has what we call trauma. Yeah, she's going to need therapy. They're going to need family therapy. No amount of Frank coming and sexily fixing her sink is going to fix this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another thing that I really loved in this episode is the the culmination of Rollins's character just being like a sadistic fuck mm-hmm. and just how far he he pushed Frank and how Viciously he attacked Billy even Yeah Just like I own you You're just a dog to me Yeah You saying that reminded me of A thought that I had while watching it Is how How heavily The theme of like Humans being trained like dogs Or used as weapons Or as animals Right Like yeah. Frank you've said You said before You made the connection long before In the very first couple episodes That he is just like a dog off a leash Right He's just going He's fighting for these things He's angry He sees red And he's just acting 
and even in the way he talks with that growl that depth to his voice it is very animalistic Mm. and then finally we actually have them say the words about like you are a dog you bark when i say bark like even frank accuses billy of being a dog and used for someone else's intention and following their orders and just like he says speak you speak kind of thing and i just really liked that imagery that they provided finally because we saw it all along but now they've actually really been using it and using the words and saying Mm. that you're an animal and they're all animals you filthy animals (laughs) like rollins is i don't know he's some other kind of evil being but yeah absolutely and how he was he was so self-righteous that he was just like i'm gonna make you like oh you're gonna suffer Mm -hmm. like going through all of this and it ended up being his downfall yeah because he was just like oh i want you to be awake for this gave frank the adrenaline yeah well what helped frank come to his senses break out of his ties and kill rollins well, the adrenaline. Not just the adrenaline. Well, yeah. Billy cut the. Billy cut it, but that would have meant nothing. Yeah. If Frank was just passed it on a chair, and then Rollins put the knife into him. That's true. So it was really Rollins's own hubris that that sunk him in the end. Well, and it's surprising because we had Frank saying over and over again that he was going to kill Billy. He was going to kill Rollins. And Billy was just like, no, you don't get to kill me. Like, I'm going to kill you kind of thing. And then Billy actually becomes humanized at the end of episode 12. In that he actually, he was disturbed at the extent Rollins was going to to torture Frank and wasn't okay with it. Billy may be a fucked up individual, but he's not that fucked up. Maybe. We'll see. We still have one more episode. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, Frank is still going to go after him. He knew that. Yeah. And so the fact that he was willing to give Frank the upper hand, it seems really strange to me. Like, did he he think that that was going to make them even, that they were going to be fine then? Yeah, I think he was confident that Frank was still very wounded he was still betting on him dying yeah was betting on him dying after that there goes both of his problems gone and then he was just going to plan on just dipping out of there right but then the cia came in or the homeland or whatever agency came in and he was like oh shit i guess yeah and (laughs) it's only one of my problems is gone yeah i mean the whole episode of episode 12 where Frank's getting beat a lot and there's a lot of back and forth in mm-hmm. his subconscious of him seeing his wife and and being intimate with his wife and finally making the choice to go home to her and home to her is death right like yeah. he was like I want to embrace death because that means I get to be reunited with my wife and in the end he ended up not choosing her and I think that this is something that he feels guilty about already because of how much he actually enjoyed serving overseas yeah and how there were a lot of times that he was home with his family but he missed being in action yeah he wished he was out killing stuff yeah and i think now 
that his family is gone and he doesn't get the the chance to be with them he carries a lot of guilt that in those moments he should have been more present and actually appreciated what he had while he had it and then in his subconscious he does the same thing like instead of embracing death and going home to his wife he chooses like one more time i have to finish this guy like he has to he has to kill who needs to be killed and that's one of his strengths and one of his flaws (laughs) in that he wants to kill the person that he feels is needs to be killed but then at what cost yeah no point leaving a job half done yeah i guess so and it's brings me back to david because he was one of the people who constantly was just like frank you don't have to kill everybody yeah like just because this person looks at you funny doesn't mean you need to kill them and he's all like yes i do (laughs) 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 and david be like nah chill out man that was almost as good as your wolverine impression (laughs) (laughs) and uh and then we see frank like near death and who's the one that pulls him out of it but david yeah, what was it? You scary, beautiful man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I, I really enjoy the relationship that they have. It started out real rocky mm-hmm. with just a naked man on a chair. Yeah. And now it's just a couple of scary, beautiful men yeah, well, shaking each other. And I think it was also really beautiful how he was just like, my friend is dying. And he was so like emotional and like, why did I agree to let him do this? And why didn't I come clean to Madani sooner so that we could have gotten here sooner and helped him sooner? But we'll deal with that in the finale. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I think it's also symbolic that maybe David is his new home and family. Aww. Like he has been like adopted into their family. You saw how much his daughter cared about his well-being like oh when's pete gonna get here like he was supposed to be here already until season two comes around and they're nowhere to be found yeah it's like (laughs) yeah pete who's that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) he's out fucking the bar lady (laughs) (laughs) we've only got one more episode of the punisher and then we're focusing all of our energy on moon knight which we got episode two this week the feelings that i had in episode one where it was like it was explaining everything and then we had the moon knight costume and i just was i had that giddy joy to me yeah i feel like i had just even more of that this week because we had we had more of a relationship tension between the different identities yeah steven mark moon knight and now mr knight yeah which was a hilarious reveal of Mr. Knight. In the comics, he's just this like broody detective-y kind of persona. Yeah. He is not in... He is just like just like a British bruv guy. Yeah. What is the little song he sings? He... Like, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, my name's Steven with a V. Yeah. He's just so goofy and I, I love it. Yeah, I, again, like, I enjoyed the episode. There were some things that I was just like, is this going on too long? Is this because I'm still not really familiar with the character and I still have a lot to learn? I'm not sure. But, like, there was a lot of that internal battle of 
Steven being like, no, I'm in control. You're never going to be in control again. You kill people. You're horrible. You're going to be locked away. Never again are you going to be allowed to gain control. Oh, yeah. And that, I felt, went on for so long. And he was meeting with Arthur Harrow. And during that whole meeting, I was expecting Steven to relinquish control. And I thought for sure when he was all like, you will kill children for something that they might do. Like, this is fucked up. And I thought then, when all of his minions were starting to kind of get closer and closer and closer, I thought, oh, this is when he's going to let Moon Knight come out. And it didn't happen. And I felt kind of frustrated with that. And then his wife character was also just like, get the suit. Like, come on. And she's expecting him to fight (laughs) and protect them. And he's not. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I, I... I really liked it because I'm thinking about what has happened to get him to this point. Mm -hmm. Mark Spector is terrified that Khonshu is going to get, I think Lila is her name. Yeah. Or Layla. I'm not sure. And so he has created this, this persona of Stephen Grant, this just unassuming guy who doesn't know anything about this yeah sure he's he kind of has these traits from pieces of mark's life yeah but he is generally just this random dude and he he finds himself aware of what's going on completely out of his element he is unprepared for fights he is unprepared for who he's going up against even in a non-combat setting, like he's so out of his element. Mm-hmm. And then he's told, like, put on the suit, put on the suit. And he could give this power to this guy who murders. Because you were saying how he was like, oh, you murder people, you're never going to get in control. I feel like it was such a powerful scene. It's just like, I've had to do a lot of, like I've had to kill a lot of people. You've killed a lot of people. Yeah, and that blood is on my hands too. Yeah. Because he is his own person. And he's just like, these hands have done terrible things. Yeah, but does that not come later? Like, where in the episode is that after when they're, when he no longer yeah, has control? Like, he says that, but he is feeling that. That's why he doesn't want to give up control. So even when it comes time and he finally summons the suit, and it is his own suit, and... He could, at that point, he's given into the power of Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. But he isn't going to give that over to this murderer. So he he tries to handle the situation. He tries to fight. He gets his ass handed to him. He does, like, one good punch and then does a little celebration and then gets thrown into a bus. Yeah. And then when he's just like, okay, even with all this power, I am not good enough. Okay, fine. You win, and then real Moon Knight comes through. Yeah. So I I appreciated how long he held on to it because that seems very realistic for a good person to do, to not give in to this murderer that they... That's, that's all he thinks Mark Spector is. Yeah. And, like, I guess looking at it that way, I can respect that. When you're going into a superhero show, you almost <laughs> want 
action though you just want to see the superhero you don't want to so it's like sexual frustration but with visual superhero stuff quit superhero cock blocking us yeah that's basically (laughs) what it is because it's like all right here we go we're gonna get a badass scene and then we just have a ton of steven being a goofball for a while and it's just (laughs) like this is all like fun and interesting especially for someone like you who has the investment into these characters and you already have a very solid understanding of the individual personalities and who they are Mm -hmm. Me, not so much. I'm just watching this and learning as I'm going. And like now that you've given me that kind of insight, I understand more the pacing of that episode. My first thought as I was watching it was just like, when is this going to (laughs) happen? And then we got the final kind of uh, rooftop runaround. Which was really freaking cool. And it's like, this is what I was waiting for. I want more of this, please. And don't worry you're gonna get more of that (laughs) i'm just an impatient woman i'm just like (laughs) give me the cool suit give me the cool fight scenes i want chases i want evil dogs getting impaled like this part is really cool for me all right but how sexy was oscar isaac when he's on that bus he just and he finally gives up to mark specter and he does that weird look up thing and i'm just like oh daddy yeah i was gonna i knew you were gonna do the daddy thing (laughs) <laughs> so another thing that I was like invested in in this episode that was not the combat, which for me as somebody who knows about Moon Knight, he is having that conversation with Layla, Lila, whatever his wife's name is. And she's just like, is Steven another one of your identities? Which is just proving there are more than the two of them. Mm-hmm. Or there's... I was I've been watching so many videos about it mm-hmm. and there are so many clues throughout episode 2 of the third Jake Lockley yeah or more personalities like that date with the the lady at the museum yeah why on earth would Mark Spector who does not care about Stephen Grant yeah he is he uses Stephen Grant as an escape he doesn't want to be a part of that life. No. Why would he get a date? He wouldn't. Third personality. Plus, he's also in love with his wife. He's right. He's divorcing her to try to protect her by the sounds of it. There is the final scene where he wakes up in Egypt, and there is the personality in the mirror, mm. and then he's sitting there just getting pissed drunk. Yeah. Mark Spector is a mercenary who is highly trained like in control it doesn't seem likely that he would just trash a hotel room Mm -hmm. and then get drunk yeah i saw that online as well someone saying like that that was a different yes personality the thing that i saw was that the room was trashed because jake lockley kicked mark specter out and mark is the one in the mirror mm. steven is not he's in the annals of the mind right now mm-hmm. and that is jake who's just like well i guess i'm in egypt i'm gonna get drunk right because in the comics he is he is the down and dirty like the the street level on the beat persona like he 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 
schmoozes with all the bums. He isn't afraid to like be a little rough to get information he wants. Mm-hmm. He is not a great guy. Right. So to have all these different personalities, Stephen, this pure, innocent goofball, Mark, this morally questionable yeah. guy who does all these vicious things, but supposedly for good. Yeah. And then to I, I'm interested to see what the third personality is going to bring to that mix. Right. Is like, because are you going to have just two good guys and a bad guy or good, bad, worse? Yeah, I don't know. What kind of a dynamic is it going to make between all of these people? How are they going to manage it? Does he get his own suit? I don't know. Well, and it's interesting that you say the thing about his wife, questioning if Stephen is just another one of his, like, I don't know, what did you say? Not personalities, but... Identities. Identities, something along that line. Because it took so long of Stephen being like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who this Mark person is. And she was like, oh my gosh, give it a rest. Like she was fed (laughs) up. She was like, I'm not having any of this like clueless bullshit. You know who I am. I'm your wife. We're getting a divorce. And he's all like, what? And she's just not having it. And it's like, but if she's aware that he has these different personalities or identities or something, would she not be aware that when she's talking to a different identity that they don't have all the same cognitive memories or traits or anything that... Yeah, I don't know if when she was with Mark, he had these personas... But it hadn't devolved into DID. Right. Maybe. So maybe he was just like, yeah, now I'm the detective. Now I'm the rich guy. And now I'm my mercenary. But it was always just like Mark acting. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, no, these have become their own people within him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's my guess. And do you think that that happened after Conchu kind of resurrected him? And there was that question of like, did he take him because he was a broken man and knew that he'd be easy to... I think that the DID... There's there's basically two schools of thought here. (laughs) One could be that Mark always had DID and it kind of didn't affect him until Khonshu took over. Mm -hmm. Because there's a comic run where that's basically what happens... And Khonshu makes his mind worse. Right. Or it could be that he was a normal guy, then he was a mercenary, he died and was resurrected, and Khonshu kind of came into his mind, and he wanted to get out. But then Khonshu was like, okay, well, if you get out, I'm taking her. Right. So... This is like a combination of both. Yeah. So then as a defense mechanism, Mark shattered his own mind Mm. to protect his wife from Khonshu. Right. Because I've also seen a lot of things that maybe Khonshu is not a good guy. And maybe by the end of this, similar to how Harrow used to be the fist of Khonshu and is now serving this even more like questionable god. Yeah. That Moon Knight will sever his ties 
to Khonshu. Well, see, I think I like the idea of Mark having had already kind of a broken mind. Yeah. Prior to Khonshu. And then that's why Khonshu is so attracted to him is because he knew that this brokenness within him would make him easier to control. Yeah. And then I still think that that Khonshu being like, I see this brokenness in you and I can use that to my advantage. And then I also like Mark being like, I'm going to create this other persona that can take over and is completely useless to Khonshu to protect my yeah. wife. Yeah, that makes sense. Because maybe all the other personas fit Khonshu's plans. Yeah. Except for this one who Khonshu has done nothing but call like the worm, the idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a fool or something. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you guys let us know what you think? Did Khonshu pick Mark because he was broken or did Mark break himself to escape Khonshu? Let us know in the Discord. You know where to find the link. Thank you so much for joining us this week at the Bees Knees podcast. If you haven't already, please make sure you download this episode, maybe even recommend us to a friend. And also let us know if you want to hear more of my Karamip <laughs> D&D stories because I have a lot and they are entertaining if I do say so myself. Anyway, we will talk to you next week.